Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, ambassador of 805 Connect and your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and encouragement. And thanks to our podcasting partner, Pull String Press, for this great studio. And to Patrick, my co-host. Hey, Patrick. V- Viva 805. <laughs> Patrick, uh, hey, listener, Patrick got married in the break. Oh, I did. You did. It was yeah. it was very exciting. Mark was there, and uh, uh, it was a great, great wedding. And uh, my new wife, uh, which is still something that's very strange to hear outside of my face, uh, <laughs> Courtney Jane Miller, <laughs> landscape architect, is is doing well. Oh, I love it. Well, congratulations. Welcome to the club. Oh, thanks. I would like to introduce everyone to Shelley Varela. Shelley, how are you? I am amazing. Thanks for so, so thanks so much for having me on. It's good to be with you guys. And it and it sounds like you're right in the room yet. You're in <laughs> Mississauga, Canada. <laughs> Mississauga, Canada. There you yes, go. Yeah, enjoying enjoying this super humid summer in Mississauga. Oh, I love it. You know, we had an office in Toronto when I was with Wayfront, and uh, I used to go. I don't know uh, for every six eight weeks. And I, I love it there. It's uh, but you're right. The, it, it gets a little oppressive on the heat side and a little cold on the winter side. Yeah. Yeah. Don't come in the winter. It's nasty. <laughs> I know. And so we're we're gonna play a Canadian buzzword bingo. So every time. You... <laughs> awesome! I love Canadian buzzword bingo. <laughs> yes. So uh, you can play at home, listener. So just keep track. Send in your score, and we'll <laughs> announce the winner in two weeks. <laughs> And you'll win, you'll win something fantastic. <laughs> Shelly, I have so much to talk to you about, but um, I do want to say that I know in two weeks you're going to be here in Santa Barbara at TEDx Santa Barbara. I am. I'm speaking at TEDx Santa Barbara. I'm looking so forward to um, to taking the stage. I've been getting ready for some time, and i um, pretty happy to be in the company that's going to be there that day as well. It's quite impressive. Yeah, it's uh, for, because people you know, might listen to these shows out of order or they might listen to it six months from now, you can go to TEDxSantaBarbara.com and if it's probably a month from now, you'll actually be able to <laughs> to see and uh, listen to Shelley's talk. Uh, give, give us a little hint. What are you going to talk about? I am talking about hacking possibility based on my own life story and um, what I went through to go from a 108-pound artist at 20 years old to my department's first female firefighter. So basically just breaking down the steps and hacking um, what I did, how I did it, and how you can do it too. Well, I don't want to give away your whole talk, but I do. <laughs> I do. There, there are you know, several things I'd like to get into. I, you know, when I was, we've known each other, what, six, eight months now, and I, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, the big read for you is firefighter. You know, it's uh, Patrick, when there is a... Uh, uh, a big fire in that area will Kimberly will get a, a tweet or a picture from uh, Shelly and say, Oh, and this happened. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. you know, oh, and by the way, this is what I'm doing today. <laughs> and there she is standing there, you know, it says Varela uh, on the, you know, the back of her turnouts, you know, her firefighter uniform. And it's pretty spectacular <laughs> that, that job, you know, I mean, when you think about um, what are they you just, kind of cheating death on a regular basis, right? Some days, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've had some pretty challenging calls for sure, but but it's sort of like 
It's like life on steroids packed into a 24-hour shift because you never know what you're going to see. You never know what you're going to get. And it's, um, it's always something different. And it's just kind of like, it's kind of like life. You just show up and figure it out when you get there. It's not completely unscripted. And that's actually what I love about it because when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, I was, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty active person. So, you know, I was, I was weighing, you know, different options and looking at different, you know, different possibilities. And, um, when, when this came to me, it just kind of ticked all the boxes because, you know, it was a physical job and it was, you know, flexible in terms of time off. It was big on teamwork and, um, yeah. And it's just, you know, you get to, you get to serve people and save people on their very worst day. And I just, you know, there's not enough money that can, that can make that feel any better than it already does. <laughs> what, what was it that, you know, you're, you're an artist and I want to get into the art part and you go, gosh, I want to do something completely different. And uh, what is it about firefighting that was the number one appeal? Um, I think, I think it's service. I think it's service to people, but also, you know, at the end of the day, at at everybody's very last day, what do you want to be able to say? And I wanted to be able to say that I made a difference and that I made an impact. And it's, and it's great because we get to do that, you know, sometimes on a daily basis. So it was just kind of being able to use whatever assets and whatever tools that you know, that the job trains you for, but also that in your personality that are at your core and then use those um, to make a difference in, in somebody's day. You know, like we had a call one time, uh, it was Christmas Eve and we walked in and it was a, a family gathering, obviously a, a Christmas party. And we walked in and there was a person with uh, no vital signs on the floor. So mm. we come in and we, we, we do our thing and, you know, like we're, we're clearing the dinner table off to the side of the room and we have one person getting the rest of the family out of the room. So we start working on this individual. Well, we got a pulse back. Mm. And it's like that person gets to have right. that family member right. that Christmas. And it's like, you know, like it doesn't get any better than that. Right. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking of all the situations you get in and from, you know, getting the cat out of the tree, uh, to, <laughs> to, to everything else you've seen in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Scenes of backdraft are sure, flashing sure, through, right. through my head right now. Sliding from the top floor to the bottom floor on a brass pole type thing. And all of that, yeah, yeah. all of that. that. That may or, that may or may not have happened. <laughs> I, I, you know, it just hit me. Um, I love technology. What's the coolest piece of technology mm. on the fire truck? We have um, thermal imaging cameras, and basically oh. they read heat. Yeah, and they're really cool because uh, they read heat, but they also read differences in heat, so different heat signatures. So literally when you're walking into a burning building, people say, oh, I couldn't see my hand in front of your face. Like you literally, it's like walking with your eyes closed and a blindfold on. You literally cannot see anything. Um, but you don't know, like, you don't know what you're walking into. Are right. we dealing with a fire that's in the in the basement? And, and if so, is the floor compromised and are we going to go through it? Right. So the cool thing about the TIC is, you know, you can look through the TIC and, it, and it's and it's got a screen much like an iPhone and it, and it reads heat signatures. So because nothing heats at the same temperature, it, it almost creates um, sort of like a black and white, really sort of simple down 
uh, image of the room. And if there's if there's any hot spots, like you can see heat in the walls. Um, you know, like I mentioned, if you're crawling through this house and the, and the fire happens to be in the basement, it'll show a hot spot on the floor. So if you notice the floor is feeling feeling spongy, you're like, okay, we need to we need to back out now. Sure. So it's it's not only life saving; it's actually really cool. You know, there's a there's a company here in Santa Barbara that I, it's called Flir F L I R uh, Imaging Systems, and they're one of the top companies in the world making that kind of technology. The chip sensors and all of that technology comes right out of uh, the university, actually here, University of California. Oh, cool! Yeah, very very cool. So I, I love that. I want to let's let's move over to the artist side because I remember always seeing that on your your bio and stuff, but. I never knew what kind of artist you were because Patrick's a an, uh, a sculptor and an mm -hmm. artist and teaches art at the college and so I'd like to know more about that. Yeah, me too. Well, I uh, I was basically every kind of artist. I was the kid who, um, when I was little, I had no friends. I was, you know, eight years old in a tree writing sonnets while my friends were playing baseball. I was, you know, that you know that nerdy kid. That was me. <laughs> So my grandfather was a writer, so I used to do a lot of writing, um, and I was just just naturally inclined towards art. So I used to paint, and I used to draw, and I was trying to figure out, like, you know, what I want to do, where do I want to go with this? So I got into photography and lighting, and then I got into special effects makeup for film and TV, and I did what? that for a little bit. But but when you do special effects makeup, then you need um, you need sculpting, and then you need some airbrushing and all that kind of stuff, so... I pretty much ran the gamut from from writing to painting, drawing, special effects, makeup, photography, all of it. And I loved it. It's kind of where my heart lives. It's what lights me up, being able to create something where something formerly didn't exist. That's yep. kind of my jam. I just I just really dig that a lot. And are you still, I mean, do you still find time to do your art? Um. I'm getting back into it more now. I've been doing actually quite a bit of writing. I'm working on, uh, I, well, I wrote a, a children's book after I lost my dad, but I'm working on, um, on, on the book that I do want to put out into the world based on, you know, what I've learned and how that can help other people. But, uh, but I'm kind of starting to enjoy the whole website, digital kind of creation space. Um, which is of, of, of course, down. of course you are because you're not busy <laughs> enough. So you might as well just like break into another I form know, of art. Right? Yeah, it's like yeah. a pilot in the wheelbarrow. Let's go. Let's yeah. keep going. Yeah. But it, it sounds silly because I'm actually buried behind in my technology skills because for coming up on 23 years now, I've worked solely with my hands. So, I mean, I've puttered on the internet a little and I've, you know, done that kind of stuff, but there's been more than a couple of times when I just wanted to throw my laptop out the window. I'm like, why isn't this working? We should start a club. But I love it. <laughs> I don't think that ever goes away. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah that, that'll never change. That's, um, oh. that's why I'm, I'm right now in the middle of my patience pack on my Headspace meditation app. And that's specifically so it helps me deal with my technology when things don't work. Shelly, I've got a question about being uh, the, the first woman in your department. Um, and, and some of this might cover in the, in the TED Talk. But um, I want to know, you were walking into a situation that 
um, not not just like locally, but historically, you you were entering a a uh, a job and an environment and a community of people uh, who had never seen anybody like you amongst them in the way that you were going to be amongst them. Um, and I just I wanted to know like like were were you embraced uh, by by your peers, your fellow firefighters, or or was there was there some kind of moment of of you know as in in the movies when you have to like prove yourself and then they realized oh yeah. Uh, you know, this person can do what, what needs to be done in the job. Yeah. Uh, well, absolutely both. So so going back to s- several years before I got hired, um, my dad raised three girls, and I was the youngest of three. So, you know, growing up, we never had a lot of money. So whenever it was time to fix the car, mm-hmm. he'd go, all right, kid, g- get the toolbox. And, you know, I was, like, so tiny for my age, but he'd perch me up under the hood of this big old Roy- Royal Monaco, and I'd help my dad fix the car. And I didn't know that it was like a girl thing or yeah. a boy thing. I knew it was a we need the car to work thing. So I think it, my inception into the fire hall sort of started with that. Like I walked in and I knew there were no other girls and I didn't know of another girl and, you know, other departments even. So, but it was almost like I was, uh, I, I didn't have the common sense to realize that I shouldn't, <laughs> shouldn't quote unquote, it shouldn't be doing this job. I'm like, Hey, well, you know, Hey guys, I'm here. And I knew, I knew it was going to be tough. And, yeah. but I had to decide early, do you want to do the job or do you want to be liked? Because you may not be able to have uh, both. Uh. So I wanted to do the job and I didn't care if I was hot in the summer and cold in the winter. I just, I wanted it. So when I eventually arrived, I mean, it was, it's, it's interesting because I worked for three and a half years to get that job, and but I didn't work harder than the guys that I got, I got hired with. We all, but we started when we all started that first day. <coughs> excuse me, that's where my challenge started. Hmm. That's where their challenge ended because they're like, "Oh, we got the job. You know, I got my gear. It's my first day on the truck." For yeah. me, it's like I battled for just as long, just as hard, and. Um, and I wasn't going to be able to change that. You know, it was just, it was going to be a struggle and I was going to have to prove myself. Yeah. So you're saying so, that, that they, once they were hired, they didn't have to continue the, uh, the, the process of, of defending their place there. Whereas you spent a lot longer confirming that. Yeah. And I think, you know, even now, 23 years later, I'm a captain and I still find in some instances, I will show up at a fire hall if I get shipped out for the day or a couple shifts. Some people will think I can't until I prove I can, where if, if I were someone else, they would assume I can until I proved I can't. Is that, is that, um, the word that's in my head would be infuriating <laughs> if I had to, if I had to keep doing that 23 well, years into proving myself already. It, it can be, it can be, especially if one of those people that's kind of giving you a bit of, you know, a bit of the hairy eyeball is a rookie and I'm a 22 oh. year veteran. So, yeah. I mean, sometimes it is, but. But at the end of the day, you know, like I had some really amazing supporters, like some of my biggest heroes in life are the guys that I work with and particularly the guys that were there when I started, because, you know, you really did have to sort of step outside the wolf pack Mm -hmm. if you were going to stick up for me in some regards, because don't forget this, it's not like it is now. This was like a long time ago. And I remember um, this particular instance, I think I was on the job mm, a couple weeks and I worked at headquarters, so there's three trucks, and it was shift change, so there's roughly 25 guys there at shift change. And I'm standing on the, um, in the room just offside the kitchen, 
And I can overhear all of these guys and it's sort of the morning banter. One shift is getting ready to go home. We're getting ready to come in. And I hear these guys talking about me. Mm-hmm. And so I freeze in my tracks and I'm 24 years old. Like I'm just, I'm green behind the ears and I'm, I'm a young girl basically. And they're, you know, they're saying stuff like, Oh, you know, I bet she can't do the job. She only got hired cause she's girl. You know, I hope, you know, you know, I hope your life insurance is up to date cause she's not going to be able to pull her weight when it hits the fan. And I'm literally frozen in my tracks and I'm thinking, do I go in and say something or do I just pretend I didn't hear it because I'm also shy, right? Like I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not aggressive by nature. And then above all of their voices, as I'm standing there deciding what the heck to do, I hear this voice say, have any of you guys ever worked with her? And I recognized the voice and it was one of the guys on my crew. And so I think the guys that were, that were, you know, that were saying all that stuff were just expecting that he was going to jump on the pile and give them some awesome dirt. Mm -hmm. And so, and so he continued and he said, the only reason I asked that is because I work with her every day and literally everything you guys just said is crap. Like it's literally none of it is true. And then what was interesting next was the guys would they started backpedaling? It was almost sure. like you could hear the backup, sure. the backup beepers. Beep. And they're like, "Well, you know, well, well, I never worked with you know, I just, I just heard or whatever." And it was like, "Wow!" <laughs> so that was my first, my first taste of that. But it was both sides, right? It's both sides of humanity. It's, it's the people that you know are your haters and are going to tear you down, but it's also the people that have the parts to stand up for you even when it's not comfortable right right that's that's kind of the part that's really really wonderful is, is to hear that there was anybody who was willing to go against to be the dissenting voice you know inside of a crowd and say yeah that's that doesn't line up what you guys you know like speak speaking uh, truth to this this moment of 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 ignorance are there other women well, yeah. in the department now uh, on my department, we are 700-ish, and I think, don't quote me, but I think there's 14 or 15 now. So you've made great strides in 23 years. Oh, my gosh, <laughs> only 14. <laughs> well, you know what, though? I mean, it's it's interesting you say that because uh, next week I'm starting, uh, we, we started a junior female firefighter boot camp for Excellent. girls aged um, 15 to 19. So oh, I'm heading this up. I bet that's um, fantastic. But, but the thing... Yeah, and so we're going to give them a week to just, um, you know, like we're going to run them through a car fire and we're going to, you know, repel them off a building and then we're doing all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you're ever going to see it be like 50-50. And I think, to be honest, nor should it be because it's it's sometimes like it, I love the job, but I also pick the job. But it's it's also a dirty job and it's a hard job. Right. And I don't and it's not for everybody. So I don't think we need more women or more minorities. I think we need need more awesome firefighters. And if they happen to be girls, great. If they happen to be minorities, great. But if they happen to be white males, that needs to be fine too. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, you know exactly right. The right person for the job. Let me let's switch gears a little bit. Um, so you've been doing this for twenty three years. And then you say to yourself, gosh, I'd like to write a New York Times bestselling book. <laughs> I sh- yes. Right? Yes. Right? I mean, because, you know, let's, let's go, let's just go do that. I'm always, I'm very interested in the beginning of an idea, the spark. And so tell us, 
if you can remember that exact moment when you're like, okay, what's next for me? Oh, I'm going to, you know, and you've already you've written a children's book. What, how did you set that goal for yourself? Because I'm thinking of my listener right now thinking, here's this woman who's, you know, set these goals and achieved these amazing things and then said, okay, what's next? And you pick that, which seems completely out of a complete different universe than what you're used to. Walk us through that, because I, yeah. I, I want to encourage people to be thinking like that. Yeah, so for me, I mean, I, I fell into a bucket of mud and came out smelling like a rose once by accident. And then I realized that it was hackable. And so basically what happens is I'm a very emotional person. I'm very excitable. I'm very excited. I'm enthusiastic. I have a ton of energy. And that comes from, I believe, sort of the art side of it, you know, just because it's like, you know, you want to express with color, you want to create an emotion. So I've always embraced kind of like, how do, how do you feel? Like, how does that make you feel? And I started paying attention to what gets me like really excited, like the kind of excited when you're trying to go to sleep and you're like, oh, my God, I have to get up and write that down because I can't lose that. Mm-hmm. So what mm-hmm. I started to do is is instead of. Um, figuring out why I could, because here's what most people do. So if I, if I have a goal that I'm really buying into and I'm super like in my core excited about, I will focus always and only just on the end goal. And so inevitably, you know, that goal is usually a long way away because that's kind of how I roll. It's like, Oh, I want to whatever, you know? So what happens next is most people will look at the obstacles or challenges in between themselves and that end goal. And then they'll, then they'll ask themselves, oh, well, is it probable that I could get there? Or is it possible I could get there? And Oh, well, what about this challenge or that obstacle? And I don't do that. I do the exact opposite of that. I look always and only just at the end goal. How's it going to feel? Who am I going to tell? Who's going to be around me when that happens? How's that going to change my life? And then what happens is inevitably those same obstacles and challenges, the exact same one as person B was looking at, They'll still cartwheel across your path, but what you do with them and how you feel about them is drastically different. It's kind of like a Great Dane puppy loping through the snow. It's, you know, it's just like you're just kind of barreling over these obstacles and these challenges and maybe you have to zig and maybe you have to zag, but the only thing you're looking is just that end goal. And you're like, I can still see it. It's still there. But, But you'd be amazed at how much momentum you can create. And the part that some people don't account for is until you start, without knowing how the heck you're going to get it done. And by the way, you don't need to know how you're going to get it done. You just need to start. But until you start, you don't realize all the serendipitous things that happen along that path. Like the reason we're speaking right now, Mark, is one of those reasons. It's I followed my gut. You know, I, I heard about Kimberly and, you know, she's brilliant. And I, I just, I reached out to her and you know, and then a million other things happened, and now I'm going to be speaking on a TED stage. So it's just you don't always have to see the um, see how you're going to get there. You just have to focus always and only on what's that end goal and, and maintain that excitement. And and after that, everything else is just stuff. It it literally becomes okay. Well, how can I complete this one task? How can I you know overcome this this other thing and just keep moving in that same direction? But it, but the the key is the enthusiasm. So let's let's make a formula out of that, <laughs> which I like to do, um, and I like to work. Okay. In, I like to work in threes. So um, so if we were to break this down into a step of threes, 
the first one might be to identify the end goal. Is that fair? Yes. Um, I would say identify the goal worth chasing. Here's what uh, I mean by that. Okay. Some people will say, oh, I want thing A. They don't really want thing A. They want what thing A will bring them. Right, right. Um, so, it, so it's identifying the goal beneath the goal, not just the goal, because it's usually a couple layers deep. The motivation, that, that excitement, is usually a couple layers deeper than the facade of the goal you look at first. And would you, would you say it's the, the benefit or the outcome of that? I, I mean, to your point, you said, and this is, now I'm starting to see that you and Kimberly share a worldview around um, the visualization of goals. And it's not just visualize it and see it, but it's also um, feel it. Like, what are you going to feel like? Who's around you? What's the emotion you mm -hmm. have? And you... Um, and I think that comes from sports for her, um, being able to see and feel and all of that. So, so that's a, that's the first one, identify the end goal. What do you do next? Well, the, the next thing is, is exactly what you just said. How is that going to make you feel? How, how is that going to make you feel? How's it going to impact your life? What do you love about it? Like really spend some time, not just thinking about it, but feeling how you're going to feel before you get that thing. <laughs> that's, and that, it, you that's, know, it's good. That's, that's like picturing yourself in, in a healthier state before you start exercising, right? Like it's, it's thousand percent. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, because here's the thing, like if you can't picture it, then you can't take it on and, and make it become part of your identity. And if you don't do that, you will never see yourself as somebody who can achieve that or somebody who can be that or somebody who can have that because it's, it's always, belonging to somebody else until you own it so is, is that if you can't picture it you can't do it i think it's much more difficult to picture if you can't do because mm -hmm. how do you get to where you're going if you don't have a map like if you don't know where that thing is i mean you could you could stumble across a bunch of other really great and awesome things but you have to know where you're going for sure you don't always have to know how to get there but you do have to know what your intention is and intention is so key I, uh, it's interesting you talk about intention because I've, I've heard that, but I never really understood it until just recently. And uh, mm. I recently had a birthday and I, um, I was actually on the mat at kickboxing on my birthday. And <laughs> I thought, <laughs> and I thought um, what I had done on my 60th birthday, I also happened to be on the mat. And I said, I want to break wood. I mean, it's, you know, 60, I want to break through a piece of wood and, you know, I still got it and all that. So, you know, Grandmaster holds the piece of wood and I, you know, I wind up and bam, and I just did it. I didn't think about it. And I ripped up my hand. I over-rotated, tore the back of my hand. It was, it was awful. And it was because I didn't stop and have an intention. Yeah. And mm -hmm. this time, what, several weeks ago, I said, I'm going to do this, but this time, and it's, we just had this conversation about intention the day before. And, I, and so for the last six or seven minutes of kickboxing, I, I said, okay, what's my intention? Why do I want to do that? How am I going to feel? My goal is to break through that wood in front of a class of 80 people and show them this is how you do this at 63 years old. And, you know, in all of those things, but I had never done that before. Like, I'm really going to think about just, it could be a micro goal. It doesn't have to be write the New York Times, get on the New York Times bestselling list. It's no, this thing that's 
a bit of a challenge because you want to do it perfectly, and that intention is such a big deal. So that was just ratifying that that's a bit that's a big one, right? Like how are we gonna so, feel? So what happened? I nailed it. So what, I nailed it. I just awesome. you know I set. I set myself, and I'd already thought about it, and I'd already thought, okay, I'm not going to over-rotate. I'm going to have, you know, uh, one of the things we learn in, in martial arts is um, seeking perfection of form, and that's a lifelong uh-huh. pursuit. Like, we're always trying to do that and in everything that we do, right? So it was like, okay, here's, a, here's an obvious example of, of where I could do that. So we're back to our three. So we identify the end goal. We have the how it's going to make us feel what do we love about it you know picture it feel it be be in that space what's the third thing how do, how do we actually get it done the third thing is breaking down overwhelm into breaking down small over, manageable overwhelm overwhelm into small manageable tasks or habits so for example for myself um when i said yes firefighting I literally had not one skill like zero I'm 108 pounds I'm not physically capable at the time I I don't know anything about any of it literally not one skill and I said okay what do I need to know I need to know how to you know drive a truck and first aid and CPR and building construction and rescue techniques and auto extrication and how to operate chainsaws and on and on and on so what I did was, and, and it's the same for anybody because it's it's perfectly transferable. Is you is you take those large pillars or chunks of knowledge or skill or whatever it is you need to accomplish that goal, and if you look at it, if you look at all of that at once, it's easy to get overwhelmed and to sit down on your butt sure. and say, uh, for, forget it, I can't do it. But what I went to do, went on to do, is um, un, I would I would put these pillars of skills or, or knowledge that I needed to gain. And then I would just look at them one at a time for a second. And I said, okay, well, you know, if I, if I need to learn how to drive a truck, for example, it's like, okay, well, I don't know how to do that. So how do I do that? Well, I'm going to go to truck driving school. Okay. Well, what's in front of truck driving school? Okay. Well, you have to earn enough money to be able to pay for truck driving school. Okay. Well, what do I do before that? And just break it down until you get to the beginning, until you get to a starting point. And if you're still kind of feeling anxious or overwhelmed, all it means is you just haven't backed up far enough. Hmm. Because, you know, my starting point might be different than yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like a, a starting point is a starting point. So if you can break it down into, instead of looking at this whole unzipped file, if you can just zip the file and look at it chunk by chunk, then all of a sudden it's something as simple as, okay, well, today, you know, or this week I have to work, you know, 40 hours because I need, you know, an extra... 10 hours to put towards that truck driving school, you know, fee. And then it becomes, okay, well, but now you're just doing things. Now you're just doing like a laundry list of items. And that is absolutely doable. This reminds me of, uh, actually, remember, uh, Patrick, we had Russell Bishop on the show. Yes, and, Human Potential. Yeah, and Russell worked with David Allen uh, in their whole Getting Things Done. Um, there's a whole great book on that. L- listener, go back and look just a couple episodes ago to, to Russell Bishop. And he talked, he doesn't call it a to-do list, he calls it next action. Like, what's the next action mm-hmm. I have to take? And then he, I yes. mean, I felt like I was... You were channeling him just then because it was like, well, I have to do that, but no, what do I have to do to do that? What do I have to do? No, I have to work an extra 10 hours this week. Do I have the money so I can pay the truck driver? And then I've got to figure out uh, 
all of that. And it's, it's just next action, next action, next action, which I love. So now I, would, I want to transition again because I, I'm really curious what part of what, where on your list of getting to the New York Times bestseller does creating a podcast have in terms of fitting in? Patrick, she's got a podcast called The Yes Effect. Yeah, great, of great title. Right. Great title. Yeah. Well, basically, so I, I I set myself a goal. I and and also I believe as a caveat to that, language is very important. I you won't often hear me say, you know, I hope to or wouldn't it be nice to. I always state it like like a boss. Like I'm going to be a New York Times bestseller. And then I usually go on to say, well, you know, I don't mean to sound arrogant, but the people who know me kind of know that that's the way I operate. So. Given that I'm going to be a New York Times bestseller, it's like, okay, well, how would one do that? Well, you need to get a publisher or an agent. That's kind of a big deal. Right. So how do you get a publisher or an agent? Well, you get a publisher or agent by, by proving to them and showing them that you have a platform or an audience that likes your content, that is engaged with you, that is kind of emotionally attached to you, and that knows, likes, and trusts you. Okay, well, how do you do that? Well, you you know, start speaking in public. Well, a TED Talk would be a great way to start speaking in public. And for me, I'm from Canada. Our market is much smaller. So for me, a U.S. TED Talk, great way to start. Well, how do you get a U.S. TED Talk? Well, you start talking in Canada and just basically doing the same thing that I just described. Yep. Um, but just trying to find, okay, well, what is the starting point? Because I am not right now going to walk into a publisher, an agent, and have them say, oh, my God, Shelly, like we were just waiting. We were just talking about you. <laughs> Thank that's, God you're here. literally... she's here. Um, but so what do I have to do to earn that? And how can I earn that? And how can I impress them? And what is their currency so that I can achieve my currency? Because I always say there are many types of currency. Money is currency. Pride is currency. You know, peace of mind is currency. Integrity is and so on and so on. But of all of those types of currency, people usually only ever focus on money and it's the least valuable of all of that. So just kind of trying to tap into what is it they need to, to, to make myself a viable option for them. You know, and then the same thing with the whole marketing piece. It's like, okay, well, let's imagine you have this book written. What would it take to promote this book in a manner that it would position it in a, in a spot like that? And just basically working backwards. So and studying also, too, I, I believe in studying the people who are where you want to be mm-hmm. only. Like the people that, are, that have advice for for me or anybody else about how to get there. If you're not there, I, I don't want your feedback. And no, no right, disrespect, right, right, but right, I don't want right. your feedback because I know that the people who are there probably act differently. They probably have different habits. They yep, probably yep. have different circles of influence and friends. Always and only, just what are they doing? Because everybody else could have really great intentions, but um, unless you're hitting that mark, I don't want your feedback. They say success leaves clues. Right, yeah. Go f- go find those people because I know, Patrick. We we're we're now officially into our second year of the show, yes. which yes. I love. So congratulations, we, that's awesome. It's it's uh, it, the time has just gone so quickly, um, but I know you and I talked to four or five months ago about, you know, what what do you do? How do you do this? You were just getting going and just starting to think about it, and. I, I still, I feel like I'm a white belt at this, um, very, very much a white belt. Yet, um, when I start talking about it, I realize, 
dang, I've learned a lot just by doing it. To your <laughs> point, just you just start it and do it. And Patrick has been my Sherpa along the road here and, and how we get things done. But what's your favorite thing about doing your show? I love that I get to, um, because I've always been a curator of amazing people. Like I just, I love people and I love amazing people with great stories. And I know like when I would be off shift, I would travel and I would, you know, California is where my heart lives. So I'm there quite a bit. So I've met so many interesting people. And with a podcast, I now get a chance to share those conversations and all of those amazing things that I've learned, which are shaping who I am with people who would never have the opportunity Mm -hmm. to know the people I know or be where I've been. And I just, um, the reason I called it the yes effect is because it sort of speaks to my philosophy on, on life and on everything. It's like, yes, the answer is yes. What's the question? But the word (laughs) yes actually has, it's like, where my friends say they call, they follow me purely out of morbid curiosity. They're like, here we go. This should be good. But I think the word yes has a certain vibration or energy about it. And I think when you say yes to something, you find answers. I always say you find what you focus on. But if you're if you say yes and you're focusing on getting somewhere or accomplishing something or having something, you know, it's just it's kind of like when you're flipping through the newspaper and there's a million ads for refrigerators and then your fridge breaks and you flip through the, the newspaper the next day. And where are all these fridge ads coming from? Well, they were always there. You're just you're you're tuned into them. So I so the word yes is my favorite word for that reason. And being able to share, you know, the philosophy behind it and all the amazing people that I've met and bring them to the people that would never have the opportunity to speak to them by far is that's that's my jam. So when you we think of your I mean you're very positive. It takes a lot of positive energy to do all of the thing. I mean just to you know, have the gumption to, you know, get up on the TED stage, to set a goal of New York Times, to be a firefighter, to do all of these various things. Um, Our listener knows that I always love finding the dragon in the story. And, you know, there, there might be an obvious dragon, just the, you know, the sentiment against you, you know, doing these things. What, what, what dragon do you, are you fighting all the time? Self-doubt, like everybody else. <laughs> I love, I love it when the dragon's not that far away. I love it when, whenever you go, yeah, oh, oh, no, oh, oh, the dragon? Yeah, it's this. But it's kind of like I like to put my arm around the dragon and kind of like hug him in and like hug it out a little. Yeah, no, like I don't I, – I always say confidence isn't necessary. Action is. But the thing is there's like this loop between confidence and competence. And when you start doing something, even though you have no clue how you're going to do it or if you can do it, and many times you can't, but you just keep like, like the underdog and, you know, like the misfit, just like, just keep punching and just keep fighting. All of a sudden you realize you're picking up these skills and that thing that you weren't confident at, you've made something that's unfamiliar, familiar. And when it's familiar, it's doable. So, I mean, I don't, I am, you know, I, people think because of the job I have, oh, you know, you're this crazy, competent person with unbelievable lack of self-doubt, 100% not true. Hmm. It's just, that's not what I choose to focus on. Hmm. No, exactly. I, um, yeah, your, your dragon is buried under a bunch of success. My, uh, uh, my, Shelly, I, I, I have to tell you that uh, my, my grandfather was a, was a fire chief for years and my, um, my brother was a firefighter for years. And, and one of the things that, that I hear very similarly in your voice with my grandfather is an unbelievable, honest 
pragmatism of just no bones about it can tell you exactly what's going on at any given moment. You don't have to, you don't have to reach mm-hmm. around. Um, and I always felt he was very, very good at uh, knowing what was going on and not mixing, not mixing it up uh, with, you know, some kind of like doubt as much as just saying, this is what it is. It's very clear. Yes. Even, even if he had doubts, yeah. he was just so just honest, brutally honest uh, on any given subject. And it seems like firefighters are probably uh, very attuned to being honest in every situation. Absolutely. And I feel like being a firefighter is actually, I've learned more about life from being a firefighter than I ever have about firefighting. And I was always an honest person, but, but to your point, I remember this particular call. We were, um, we were driving across the highway and it's rush hour traffic and it is literally stopped. It's a parking lot bumper to bumper. So we get a call on the air for a child choking and there's nowhere for us to go. So we hop on the curb and we are screaming down the right curb. Like we are, if we are just, we're flying. And to the right of the curb was a road sign. And uh, I'm, I, I wasn't driving. I was in the back, but I'm watching. I'm like, we're not going to make it. We're not going to work. And then boom, we blow the passenger side window right off the truck because it oh, nailed geez. the sign. But it was either that or we couldn't get through. Right. Hmm. So what ended up happening is there's always this big interview process. And, you know, someone from the city comes down and accident prevention. And, you know, they have an interview and there's the district chief and the platoon chief and all of these people. And, you know, nobody wants to be wrong and nobody wants to admit they made a mistake. And their perception usually is that they didn't. So what happens is all of these people gather and the driver of the truck that day will kind of try and plead his case. And then they will decide whether that accident was preventable or unpreventable. But it's a very uncomfortable seat to be sitting in if you were the driver. And this particular day, um, the driver, you know, is, is sitting in the office and all of these people are coming in. And I remember the guy from Human Resources walking with his binder and he opens it up and he's got his notepad ready to hear the you know plethora of excuses that are going to fall out of this guy's face. And uh, he said, okay, you know, firefighter Geb, um, what happened? And he's like, I asked up. Mm. <laughs> and the guy, and he stopped. And he, he folds his notebook up neatly, stands up, shakes his hand, and walked out. So I'm like, <laughs> that's it? Done. That's it? Thank you. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, I asked up. Yeah. He goes, I made a decision. I would make the same decision again. 100%, 100% my fault that yeah. the truck is damaged. I asked up. It was like, okay. Because so, there's, there's no more. So honest, yeah. What else are you going to do to, what else are you going to do to the guy? He understands, he understands right. the consequence. He knows right. what's happened. And right. uh, we're just going to move forward on that now. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, it was just so poetic how he yeah. was unapologetic Lovex. for it. And he knew, he knew that, like, and they ended up not, he never got in any kind of trouble for it at all. And usually there's some sort of, not discipline, but, you know, something in your file or whatever. And they're like, nope. Yeah. I was like, wow. It's like, mic drop, walk off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> and, with, and with that mic drop, um, we're at the end of 45 minutes. Ba boom. Oh, wow. That was quick. Just like that. Well, you know how you know how it goes. I mean, it's just the show is so fast. And Shelley, this I is... I had so much fun. Thanks for having me. Oh, we love it. But we're, we're not going to let you off the hook that quickly. Um, our listener okay. waits to the very end of the show because we get to now name the show. What are we going to... What title are we going to give this? Because as someone... Because I know you're going to send this out to your millions of fans and they're <laughs> going to listen to this show just because Shelley said, listen... But then uh, they're going to go, God, that was good. Is there another? And then uh, they're going to look at the list of almost 100 shows that we have. 
and it's the title that's going to grab them. So if someone is coming from it. another show, what's the title of your show? This show. I'm I'm all I'm all over it. How to slay your dragon. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm currently looking at this new podcast I just subscribed to called The Yes Effect, um, and I was just reading through <laughs> I was just reading through all of the titles here on The Yes Effect, and uh, uh, there's some pretty good titles you've got going on here. Uh, Trusting your hustle with Anthony Trucks, uh, and yep. how to land the career you were born for, uh, Rockstar's Guide to Overcoming Fear, uh, How to Make Amazing Transformations. All of these are. Um, Oh, I, this is this is one of my favorites. Uh, yes, called, but you let it go to voicemail. Oh. Yeah, that yeah. Was, that's a pretty, <laughs> yeah. pretty yes called. I had some, I had some, ah. <laughs> I had some fun with that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, great, great looking podcast here. Um, I'm a new subscriber. Oh, Can't you. wait to listen. There you go, Shelley. Thank you so much. How do um, how do people find you on the interwebs? Absolutely. It's ShellyVarela.com, and I'll spell that because my mother has a, a wild sense of humor in spelling. Um, it's, it's S-H-E-L-L-I, V is Victor, A-R-E-L-A.com. And uh, I'm all over the web as Shelly Varela, so on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, um, you can find me there. And you're the firefighter. I, 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 it's so cool when I see these pictures, Patrick. There she is. There's this huge fire in the background, and there just says Varela on the back. And I'm like, yep, she's not facing us, giving, doing a selfie. She's facing the fire. It's a good, it'd be a good news yeah. to be on. Well, I, I get that for my mom. She's 74, and I'm taking her skydiving on Saturday. So I come by it all. Of course, of course you are. Wait, are you? <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> like, oh, like, yeah, oh, I'm taking. How did that come about? What's that? Real quickly, how did that come about? Okay, in in 35 seconds or less, uh, I was being mousy to my mom two years ago, and I said, hey, you know, we should go skydiving because my dad had just passed away and she needed something brave to do. And so I was trash-talking her because I certainly don't want to jump out of a plane. So she agrees to go, but I still, like, she's 74. Clearly, she's not jumping out of a plane. So then we're up in the plane, and she has her instructor strapped to her, and I have my instructor strapped to my back. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm going to be the good daughter and land with her in the plane when she decides to, that she's not jumping. Well, she hurled her, her butt out of the plane. Oh, my God. So then I had to jump. Yeah. So then my niece, uh, she, you know, I said it would be a really cool thing for you to do with your grandmother. She's not going to be able to do this for much longer. And so the three of us are going three generations of idiot skydivers in the Varela family. <laughs> you're only idiots if you don't make it. If you make it, then you're heroes. Right. Yeah. I, right. I can't well, wait I to see that I, picture, Shelley. Please text <laughs> yeah. us. I can't. That's going to be. This is tomorrow, right? Uh, no, next Saturday. Next Saturday. Next Saturday. Please yeah. send us that. Well, Shelley, thanks again. Uh, and listener, go uh, go to the Yes Effect. Find it on iTunes. And while you're there, subscribe to uh, us. So I want to thank you so much. And I also want to thank California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services our podcasting partner, Pull String Press, for this great studio, and Cielo24, who provides the searchable captions for the show. The 805 Connect project, now in our third year, is supported by partners and sponsors throughout the region. I want to thank them as well. If you want to learn more about us, go to 805connect.com. 
Now, Patrick, um, how could our listener help us specifically today? Well, uh, two things. They can, uh, of course, go find a, uh, a young girl out there who's seeking a career and uh, maybe mention firefighting to them. And then secondly, uh, they can reach out and grab whoever's phone is nearby right now and subscribe to this podcast for them. Uh, it's always a good thing. to. It's a wonderful gift, good for weddings uh, and uh, <laughs> other holidays. Uh, but get them subscribed to this show so that um, uh, they have an opportunity to listen to this great content that you are enjoying right now. I'd love to hear from you personally. So if you want to uh, drop me a note, send it to mark at 805connect.com. Tell us what you like or don't like about the show. And if you've got an idea for a guest, we'd like to hear that as well. So until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations. 